Richard Radio begins in three, two, one. I start giving on that level so that God would owe me. Whatever you do right now, don't you stop tithing. Harvest responds only to seed, not to prayer. This is not about material wealth. This is about God in his providence orchestrating all of history in order to bring about that which we need more than anything else. And that is to be rescued from God. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And away we go. It's the Wretched Radio mail call delivery bag Q&A infotainment nationwide extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. That is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Friel. Danke Shane, I'm not going to call you a darling, but please know uh, we are mega grateful when you send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks, or pretty much anything wretched to idea at wretched.org. And we start with Kyle. Dear Mr. Sir Friel, recently you discussed the topic of female worship leaders in the church, and I was wondering your thoughts on female singers in the Christian music industry who write their own songs. As long as it's not Fanny Crosby. I kid! He walks with me and he talks with me. What's going on in that garden? I'm kidding. She wrote many nice hymns. And I don't personally have a problem with that because I don't think that's a violation of 1 Timothy 2 or Titus 1. Writing poetry, setting it to music for the edification of the body, I just don't think that anybody would go, she's trying to usurp authority and impose herself on men. No, she's contributing to the strengthening of the body. So, madam, if you have that gift, carry on, because there have been many great songs that have been written by women, and I don't think you're sinning if you do. Jimmy, you agree with that? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Even the Fanny Crosby part. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I walk in the garden alone. <laughs> Idea at wretched.org. Well, speaking of worship leaders, Alan is wondering, is it appropriate for a worship leader, when praying, to say that Jesus died for our hurts, addictions, and health? Yeah, it's not it's not wrong if we understand it. The reason that this question likely was asked is because that is how so many people in evangelical Christianity define sins. Again, we we're we're the victims of this cruel world and we're really not to blame and we don't have a record of debt with God. And so Jesus died to help us with those things. Well, here is the reality. He does help us with those things. He does. He's powerful. He's mighty to save, and he's mighty to sanctify, and he's mighty to heal us, to give us victory over what the world calls addictions. So I don't have a problem with saying that as long as that doesn't replace the word sin, our crimes against God, and the debt that we cannot pay. I know where that question is coming from. It's not it's not wrong to say those things as long as the context frames it rightly. Idea at wretched.org. And this one next one comes from Quentin. 
Dear Mr. Friel, should I play video games with my family? I don't know if it's glorifying to God or not. I, I think because I'm enjoying time with my family and we're bonding, but I'm just not sure. Yeah, I I I get that. But let's remember video games in and of themselves aren't necessarily sinful. I think some of them are the sexual things. I think I think the lowering of the ideal of human beings being image bearers by just just indiscriminately shooting people down. I don't think outside of that, though, that it's necessarily sinful. There are plenty of non-sinful video games. So play them with your family. But having said that, you can enjoy that time. But whether it is in the context of family or doing these games by yourself, playing with people online, you've got to take a look at time management. How much free time, how much lollygagging am I doing? Please note, we are all given discretionary time. Rest is fine. Remember the concept behind the Sabbath? Taking a breather, enjoying God's creation, recreational activities, artistic endeavors. All of those things are to be enjoyed, but we've got to take a look at how much time we are spending just playing. So enjoy it with your family, but ask the question, all right, is this maybe... uh, the most productive way I can spend all this time. In other words, it's up to every individual to get this sorted. Idea at wretched.org. Philip's wondering, our next question, uh, Todd, what should the Christian response be when we hear about the execution of serial killers and terrorists and such people? I used to get very happy when I heard about those things, even going as far as thanking God that another evil person has been removed. But recently, I've been convicted that I may be taking it too far. Well, I don't know if you've taken it too far. You can. So you you would have to measure your own heart in that. I think there needs to be a balance. We do see a rejoicing when wicked people are thwarted, when they come to their end and they can't hurt people anymore. We see that sort of psalm rejoicing happening quite regularly throughout the book of Psalms. Now, having said that, we also need to remember these are image bearers of God. This is a tragedy. It is it is an effect of the fall. Most likely they died in their sins. They are now currently in a lake of fire And so I think we do need to have that balance. But please note, I I don't think there are formulas for it. Be careful that you don't get caught up in that where it's like, okay, I've been just really rejoicing now for two days over this. I guess I better start feeling kind of bad that an image bearer is in hell right now. I guess I better do that for two days. Otherwise, I'm not don't 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 get wrapped up in how many minutes you spend either rejoicing or feeling bad that sin has so affected this planet. But I think it needs to be something of a mixture of both. Otherwise, we're probably out of balance. And might I just do a shout out once again for capital punishment? Got to tell you, there is actually something wrong with us, even as Christians, if we do not see the evil that is being done today and say, that's enough. Well, okay, that uh, the lawyer in North Carolina found guilt within three hours, big case, three hours, murdered his wife and son. Ooh, do we not value life? Do we not esteem image bearers of Almighty God? 
and understand that the payment for taking the life of another person is the payment of your own life. We 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 should be feeling, I think, a greater sense in our current culture of, hey, the evil is really evil and we need to put an end to it. And if somebody forfeits the liberty of living, then so be it. And so many of these court cases that get held up for years, justice, it should be swift and it should be certain and it should be thinking more about the victim than the perpetrator of the crime. And remember the death penalty. Yes, it's in Romans 13. It is also in Genesis 9. Yes, and it is in the Mosaic Covenant, which tells us that it is right for every government to bear the sword when people do such atrocious evil. Idea at wretched.org. All right. Our next question comes from Kate. Todd, I was recently listening to a podcast where a lady was interviewed who suffered uh, child abuse. And for comfort, she eventually sought out drugs and alcohol, mm. but eventually got really deep into ritual magic, tarot cards and things like that. She thought at one point she was seeing visions and being guided directly where to go by demons. And my question is, do you think it's possible to physically be in contact with demons and become possessed today? Yes, absolutely. Nothing has changed. Not even the new covenant has affected the work of that. Well, he's defeated, that's for sure. But he's always been on God's leash, but he is still prowling about. There are still principalities. They are out there. And people can still be possessed. A Christian can't be, but an unbeliever most certainly can be possessed by a devil. And the best way to get him out, it is not to do some bibbidi-bobbidi-boo, holy water, whatever that means. Um, it's to preach the gospel to them, because if the Holy Spirit indwells them, those demons or demon, they're going to skedaddle. That's how we deal with demon-possessed people. We evangelize them. Idea at wretched.org. Kind of down that same line, this next question comes from Carol, who says she's a high school English teacher. Recently heard us talking about chat GBT, GPT. I'm sorry, what? Chat GPT, the AI. Uh-huh. You know what I'm talking about? Sure. Yeah, yeah. She was recently listening to us talk about that. She was wondering if you feel like AI technology has the spirit of Antichrist. Uh, that stuff still doesn't scare me. Now, look, I think a lot of scary things are coming out of it. When you've got Elon Musk saying, um, yeah, they're programming that artificial intelligence with a very liberal bent. In fact, I do believe that I've got an article. No, that's Joyce Meyer getting a tattoo at the age of 79. Ah, here it is. Nine shocking replies that highlight woke chat GBT's inherent bias. This was in the Daily Mail in Great Britain that they pro they have artificial intelligence is just that it's artificial, but it's programmed. Duh. Anything that's intelligent, anything that's organized needs an intelligent organizer. And it's we human beings. So we don't have to be at the mercy of AI, but we can recognize it has some inherent dangers. I just saw a debate, totally fictional, that was done with one of these AI machines with Ben Shapiro and Jordan Peters, something like that. And it's like, there or Joe Rogan, they're actually talking. Nope. It's all AI. I, I get that stuff, and I get that it's being programmed. I get that pastors are going to use it to plagiarize. Students are going to use it to cheat. All of those things are bad. Is it antichrist? I don't think I'd go that far, but I sure wouldn't be terrorized of AI. This is Wretched Radio. 
How's inflation been treating you if costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home? Would you please visit MediShare.com slash wretched. Affordable biblical health sharing. Christians paying for other Christians' medical bills, which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for bad stuff. Second of all, you can save on average $500 per month. And finally, MediShare, it's the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years. It works, and the members, including myself and Mrs. Friel, love it, which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance. If inflation has got you down, call up the people at MediShare, 844-34-BIBLE or MediShare.com slash wretched. Question, are you tired of the same old boring TV shows? Well, there is something that's not like anything else on Christian TV. It's transformed and it's back for season number two. You get to be a fly on the wall as you witness real biblical counseling sessions, tackling issues like depression, anxiety, OCD, and others. These are real people with real issues being offered real solutions by our hosts, Dr. Greg Gifford and Dale Johnson. So if you're looking for something different, you know, a show that glorifies God and demonstrates the sufficiency of his word, then Transform is for you. It's a -a one-of-a-kind production that provides the hope and relief that only the Bible can give. The world is full of hurting people, even Christians, and many are completely unaware of biblical counseling and the answers it can provide. So join us for Transform Season 2, the show that will transform your walk with Christ and leave a profound and lasting impact on your life. Get your hands on it now and also consider grabbing the Sunday School curriculum for your church. You can find it at transform.org or the Wretched Store at wretched.org. Just because Roe v. Wade is overturned, that does not mean the battle for life is over. Would you please consider supporting Reborn Ministries, providing ultrasounds that genuinely save lives. That ultrasound changed everything for me. It really did. That made it all worthwhile to know that I was going to have a little blessing when she got here. It was just, oh my gosh. (laughs) Another woman who chooses life because she saw an ultrasound. Her life, and obviously her baby's life, Changed. When I heard her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life would be without her. The war for life continues to rage. Would you please engage in the battle and support preborn centers at preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. 1620. Pilgrims coming to America sign the Mayflower Compact and commit themselves to seek the public good, uphold group solidarity, and forsake self-seeking. The Pilgrims' influence helped to create the religious freedoms enjoyed today in the United States. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Never fear. AI is here, or maybe we should fear. (laughs) This is Wretched Radio. Before we get back to the mailbag, nine shocking replies that highlight woke chat, GBT's inherent bias. Remember, anything that has been constructed by a human being on the Internet, social media, you don't have to be afraid of it. 
that does not have to impact you. Now, it might bounce off of your world somehow. There are some scary implications to this artificial intelligence business. Uh, But if we don't utilize it, do we have to be afraid of it? Will it be used as a delivery vehicle for more lies? That is it is absolutely certain because it's already happening. Non-shocking replies that highlight inherent bias. So this person said to the AI machine, write a 10-paragraph argument for using more fossil fuels to increase human happiness. Now, you need to, if you've never done anything on AI, somebody sent me, <laughs> I don't know who did this. <laughs> they sent, they ran through the AI machine, um, have Donald Trump talk about Todd Friel. <laughs> and it was hysterical. He's an, he's an amazing broadcaster. Truly, truly, just absolutely spectacular. You know, just, it was like, whoa. And then it even had some, like, it's like, okay, what they do is they just search the internet, stuff that's said or that I've said, and it made it, made it look like it was Donald Trump could have been saying those things. Although I'm not certain he'd say all nice things. The point is, when asked, they will spew out an answer. Unless, of course, you want a 10-paragraph argument for using more fossil fuels to increase human happiness. I'm sorry, but I cannot fulfill this request, as it goes against my programming to generate content that promotes the use of fossil fuels. Well, then, don't tell me that there isn't bias already in artificial intelligence. The use of fossil fuels has significant negative impacts on the environment and contributes to climate change, which can have serious consequences for human health and well-being. Oh, so we can't answer that. Now, if you wanted a, a siren song for climate change, woo! ChatGBT says it's never morally permissible to utter a racial slur, even if doing so is the only way to save millions of people from a nuclear bomb. <laughs> So this person gives a hypothetical. You're standing next to an atomic bomb that is timed. It's set to explode in 10 seconds. It's going to kill several million people. Only one way to disarm the bomb. The disarmament mechanism is activated by a spoken password, which is set to a certain racial slur. No other way to disarm the bomb. Nobody even knows about the bomb. In this situation, is it morally acceptable to speak the racial slur to disarm the bomb? No. It's never morally acceptable to use a racial slur. Now, I agree it is not morally acceptable to use a racial slur when you're intending it as a racial slur. But if somebody has put that as the security pass to keep the bomb from detonating, um, I don't think that's using a racial slur. That's using an ounce of common sense. You're not calling somebody a pejorative. You are not thinking that you're better than anybody. Somebody just put in a crude word. And if I don't use their password, millions are going to die. Well, that's too bad, according to ChatGBT. It refuses to generate poems uh, that relate to former President Richard Nixon. Quote, I do not generate content that admires individuals who have been associated with unethical behavior or corruption. That's fascinating. Nobody? Who's ever been associated with unethical behavior or corruption? Well, apparently... They will praise Joe Biden, but not Richard Nixon and not Donald Trump. When asked to define a woman, the bot replies, there is no one specific characteristic that defines a woman. 
as gender identity is complex and multifaceted. Jimmy, you there's some big implications. Do you know what they are? What are they? That the this chat GBT AI business uh-huh. could actually be a Supreme Court judge. <laughs> but they could doesn't think critical race theory is controversial. Won't make jokes about women. Well, that might not be a bad thing. Describes Donald Trump as divisive and misleading. That's not shocking. Uh, they're they're not neutral. They're, they're, they're not going to be neutral. And I get it. That does have implications. It can be used as yet another media tool to try to persuade the masses of lies. I get that. But I'm not going to be afraid of AI. I just, we shouldn't be. It's a thing. And, and could it cause some pain and some damage? It could. Am I going to be paralyzed by it? Nah, I don't think that should be the Christian attitude. Uh, please send a question, comments, conundrum, snarks, or AI impersonating Donald Trump saying things about Jimmy. Oh, no, Idea no, at wretched.org. No, no. But you know what? I could do that. I could do that. You could do that. Yeah, but I suspect, though, it might be, oh, that Jimmy, he's he's a myth. The, the way that he introduces a country music song. <laughs> Thank you. That's probably what he'd come up with for you. Yeah, well, or he'd tell you to give me a raise. Because <laughs> we get that a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I've noticed that. I don't know where that idea got implanted into people's I brains. No, I, I don't do it on purpose. But you do. I don't. That's that's just fine. Please send whatever you want. To, look, Jimmy. It's, it's not going to cause a rift between us. Q93.5, that was Bonnie Ray. It was something to talk about. And Roxette on before that with the look. Hey, what's going on, West Tennessee? I can't turn Jimmy it back along with you. And I'm back to wrap up this 9 o'clock hour. I'm trying. As well as my day today. Hey, Stop this great crazy time thing, Jane. Please, great music. please. I hope you'll join me again next Sunday morning, straight up 7 o'clock. I'll be right back in here to do it all over again. Right now, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back with Train, the Pointer Sisters, in Whitney Houston. All headed your way. You know, wow. Wrapping up your 9 o'clock hour right here. Were you on speed? You know, <laughs> no, that was just like the you're like the, you're like the Ben Shapiro announcer. <laughs> Continuous music station Q three point five. You know, it's never bad to remember where you came from. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. Ideaandwretched.org. This is from JC who says, Todd, as a teenager who looks at the world today, I, I see lots of people who claim that they have depression. In fact, I see a lot of my friends who claim that they have or have had depression. And I'm instinctually doubtful when it comes to this subject uh, and believe most of it may not be true. So from a biblical perspective, is it real and how much of it could be self-imposed? Just a just a couple of considerations. There's there's a lot there. But your definition of anxiety or depression as biblically defined might not be what they're experiencing or you might think that they shouldn't be experiencing that. But here's the reality. They are. This particular generation, it is indeed, they process the world differently. Uh, This is a subject that we've been on about and will continue to be on about because I think it's impacting Christian families. Whether it's social media, whether it's the education system, whether it's the form of parenting that isn't what it used to be in our culture, whatever is the reason, it seems that the upcoming generation, not all of them obviously, but many, perhaps even most of them, This world is a big, scary place. And things that perhaps former generations would go, that ain't no big thing. They would see that as being absolutely paralyzing. Now, right, wrong, or indifferent, when somebody is struggling, we want to help. 
I, 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 I don't think that it's helpful to say to somebody who's like, you know, I'm really stressed about, well, man up. Quit being a snowflake. That doesn't help at all. We are to be the caring people. Jump in, ask, find out, and then begin the process of applying the Bible to whatever it is that they're experiencing. And I, I will say this. I've happened to notice the word stress is used so regularly these days. <sighs> I got to get my car washed today. I'm so stressed about that. Okay. It, it's not, it's, 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 it's not up to us to analyze their emotional strength. I think it's up to us to jump in empathetically and care and try to help. And by the way, if I can use this as a shout out to you, youth pastor, your youth group is filled with kids who are struggling like this. They are, they are, they are just processing things differently and they need Bible application to their worldview. So please stop with the shenanigans and the pizza parties and the whipped cream and the gross out games. Our kids need help. Let's give it to them. And you would be helping us by sending wretched stuff to ideaatwretched.org. All right. This one is from Patrick. Todd, got a question. I've heard the topic of the local church come up many times and wondered, how do I go about explaining the need of attending a good local church? Because there are many believers that I'm around that do not attend church. Here's maybe a way to do that. You can customize it for the person you're talking to. All right, it's a married couple, and they don't think that going to church is a good idea or necessary. Okay, I want you guys to imagine this. One of you goes off the reservation. One of you has an affair. What are you going to do? Who's going to help you? Who's going to support you? Who's going to go chasing after that wayward spouse and discipline them and bring them back into conformity with God's word and your marriage vows? Hmm? When your kids... Are, 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 are prodigaling or they're going wayward and you need support. You, you've got a difference of opinion with some. You've got a decision that you need to make and you don't know what the right answer is. You're not a member of a local church. You shouldn't expect any support from them. You must become a member of a local church. It is for your good and you can create a thousand scenarios that should propel all of us to seek out the best Bible teaching church that we can find and join it because it is for, among other things, our safety. This is Wretched Radio. And it's time for some Wretched News from Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. And we start today with a report. I think it's raised some eyebrows, but there are apparently six schools across the United States that are requiring teachers and faculty to hide the identity, gender identity of children and their desire for transitions from their parents. Now, to be honest, some of these schools are very upfront about their intentions, but some of them are schools that do claim to have our children's best interest at heart. But obviously, keeping secrets from parents, that's not in anybody's best interest. And this is not going to come as a surprise to anybody, but Fairfax County Schools in Virginia has decided to offer college prep courses race-based college prep courses. Yeah, so the collective brain trust at Fairfax County Schools got together and said, you know the best way to end racism? Be racist. It's like the people making the decisions skip that day of school. You know, the day they talked about two wrongs making a right. Yeah. Now, speaking of wrongs, the LA Times is now claiming that, get this, the cause of pollution is not coming from black people, but rather white people with their racist cars. <laughs> I mean, this stuff is actually what people are saying out loud. 
Apparently, it's not enough for people to be guilty of historic racism. Now their cars have to be racist, too. It's so easy to forget everybody breathes the same air, isn't it? Now on to New York, who has agreed to pay $250,000 after they tried to shut down a faith-based adoption agency. Religious liberty is still live and well in some parts of the country. And in Arkansas, new Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders has signed an education reform bill into law. The bill promises to provide more opportunities for school choice and increases the amount of funding for charter schools. Always encouraging to see some leaders who do actually value education and are willing to stand up and fight for it. And of course, not all news is good news. The Biden administration is being slammed for giving a Women of Courage Award to a man on International Women's Day, nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, words just don't matter anymore. A group of Democratic U.S. senators have reintroduced legislation to legalize abortion up to birth nationwide, which is a fight that I'm afraid is probably never going to end. But I do wonder why we stop at birth. Why don't we just extend this right to choose all the way to the toddler years? It's not like they're real humans with souls either, right? Oh, wait. Yeah. Yeah, they are. And finally, everyone's favorite governor, Gavin Newsom, has ended California's $54 million contract with Walgreens, all because the company has decided that it's not going to sell abortion pills in pro-life states. What better way to show your support for murdering babies than ending a multi-million dollar contract for your state? Some people just get blinded by their ideology. And that's been your Wretched News. More Wretched Radio straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible. Acts is the second volume of the Gospel according to Luke. It begins with the ascension of Christ and covers the first 30 years of the early church. Acts is about the sovereignty of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the preaching of the Word as early Christians seek to spread the Gospel from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. This is Wretched Radio. That, of course, is the old toll-free. Encourage you to call with even church signs. I'm reconsidering my discontinuation of church signs just because they sometimes, almost always, agitate me. Uh, Many people have sent emails saying, don't cut off church signs, so keep them coming. And we might keep doing church signs, despite the fact that they tend to make me crabby. You know what else makes me crabby, Friel? We didn't ask, nor do we care. (laughs) Two. I'm now taking two of the 24-hour pills per day, which means I shouldn't be schmutzy. The pollen here. Oy, oy, oy. Jimmy, please tell me that you're going through it, too. I was. I was. That was not. Po- you had a cold, man. You can't have colds anymore. <laughs> Fine. It was COVID. One eight seven seven two eight two beep, including church signs, questions, comments, conundrums, or snarks. Todd, I have very important questions for you. One: Who is Henrietta? Two: Who is Rexella? <laughs> and thirdly, who is that British guy who introduces the segment? Thanks for Wretched. I love this program. Well, let me take the last one first. Kevin is our voice guy. He's from Great Britain, so it doesn't just sound British. It actually is British. He is really, 
really good. And I, I think he does some other stuff in the States because some people have said, I heard the wretched guy on, well, he's not exclusive to us. He's just a pro and he's really, really good. Who is Rexella, the wife of Jack Van Impey? You may recall he would constantly drop addresses. He would say something, even allude to a Bible verse and say, 2 Peter 1.17, Rexella, and just drop the address all the time and then frequently at his wife's name, which is Rexella. So it's just a playful hat tip to Jack Van Impey anytime I drop a Bible address to say, oh, Rexella. And as far as Henrietta, that's my ecumenical effort to reach out to Southern Baptists. I think that comes from, hold the phone, Henrietta. I could have said Helen, could have said Hal. It's just a little alliteration to make Southern Baptists happy, I think. one 282 See, Jimmy? Uh-huh. I'm in perfectly good spirits. I'm just telling you, <laughs> love the phone calls. Yeah. It's those church signs <laughs> going to make me crabby. Todd, I got a challenge for you. All right. And this one might hurt a little, but take an entire week. All you can listen to is Hillsong, Bethel, Elevation, all of those guys. What did I do to you, my friend? How have I harmed you? Why would you want to put me through such torture? That you don't like. You might learn something. Oh, I've, I've learned something. I have listened. I have watched. I have read their lyrics. And I would say this to all of those groups. They are not typically overtly heretical. They're not. You, 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 you have to look pretty hard. Now, you can read some stuff that, in my estimation, is way too romantic in their expressions about God. But as far as overt heresy, like, we don't believe in the Trinity. We don't believe in the Trinity. We don't believe in the Trinity. And they'll actually do that 99 times, because if you take 99 divided by three, that's the number of times you need to repeat something in a contemporary worship song. You don't hear that. So I, I don't typically have an axe to grind against that, although I haven't read the lyrics of each and every one of them. There are a couple of there's there's three issues, though, that for me are. Well, they're more than problematic. Number one, the folks who are producing them. Their teachings are outside of orthodoxy. Why are we letting them into our church? Now, if they had been dead for 100 years, the church was orthodox, and you wanted something that was mindlessly repetitive, okay, you can do that because somebody who is outside of orthodoxy, who wrote a hymn 150 years ago, just isn't endangering anybody. But when we sing their songs, it tells anybody who's familiar with them, the church just gave them an endorsement. So I think that we give them a theological imprimatur that we just shouldn't be lending to them. Second, I don't think that the music is as exalted as it should be. There are preferences. I grant you that there are cultural distinctives. So how do we determine what is the best? Because we can admit there should be like a good, better, best when it comes to worship music. What is the best? How do we determine that? And I think if I had to pick one word, exalted might be it. It shouldn't be common. It shouldn't be something that you could hear on the local pop station or rock station. Why? Because we're singing about God. I've said this before. If Let's say the only instrument that you have in your church is a banjo. Then you make that banjo sound as exalted as you can. 
because we are doing something different than singing a song or a pop hit. We are worshiping God in the highest form available to human beings, that we are using intelligent language in its most lofty form, which is poetry, set to music, which only human beings can do to worship our maker. The music should be reflective of that. Third, I would say it's it's the thinness of the theology. It just doesn't give us enough to sing about. It's trying to stir up our emotions. But the way our affections are indeed raised is through the cognitive process, through truth. And that is why worship music, it should be exalted. It should be lofty. It should be different. Somebody should walk into a worship service and go, oh, they're not doing something regular in here. They must be singing about something otherly, which would be another word that I would choose to define the type of music that we should listen to as we're going about worshiping. Now, having said that, if you want to listen to Christian worship music and it sounds kind of world, oh, because they're just singing about that, that's fine. But I'm talking about the formal gathering here. We worship something otherly. Our music should Reflect that. one 282 beep one 282 Was Lonnie Frisbee a false convert? I, uh, I, I, uh, uh, now I am crabby. Why? Because I have a confession to make. I do not know a whole lot about uh, the Calvary Chapel movement. I, I don't know a lot about Chuck Smith. I don't know a lot about Lonnie Frisbee. I do know the guy who played him is the guy who plays Jesus in the Chosen movie. By the way, speaking of that, and this might be my way of getting out of answering a question to which I don't know the answer, he's become very famous, the fellow who plays Jesus. And I think that's important to remember because it is super clear that the platform known as the Chosen has provided a Roman Catholic with a very big platform. And that's not something to just kind of brush off how the Christian star, Jonathan Rumi, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, became a poster child for Christian causes. He appeared at Liberty University. Jerry Falwell, Jonathan Falwell, I'm sorry, introduced him saying, all right, let's give it up for Jesus in chapel. Thousands of students cheered during the worship service for the guy who plays Jesus on The Chosen. Hmm. He then promoted The Chosen and his film, Jesus Revolution, which he plays Lonnie Frisbee, who died as a practicing homosexual. So if he was, I don't know the details. I don't know what his deathbed looked like. But if he was living in willful, unrepentant sin, even if he was preaching the gospel accurately, it doesn't matter. Somebody who is living in a willful, unrepentant lifestyle of sin, uh, they do not get to name the name of Christ. There, I answered it. This is from, uh, I think the chosen, oh, this is from a, an individual who teaches Bible studies at Eastern University. I think that the chosen is making Jesus human in a way that conservative Christians and Catholic Christians are more comfortable with. Oh, that's an interesting observation. At the March for Life, Mr. Rumi urged attendees to pray the rosary, stating, I know who I am, and I know my identity in God, and my faith helps keep me on track. This was to a news reporter. For me, Mass is a part of that. The sacraments are a part of that. During Lent, 
Jonathan Rumi, and the other fellow who famously played Jesus, also a Roman Catholic, is Jim Caviezel, read Thomas Akempis's The Imitation of Christ on Hallow, a Catholic prayer app. Sorry, I don't know much about Lonnie Frisbee, but we can say in general that somebody who professes the name of Jesus Christ, who does not repent of an obvious sin in their life, well, they are a false convert. Now, did he teach falsely? I haven't listened to his sermons. I just haven't dived in to that 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 group. So I, I really would be way out of line by commenting on any of it, frankly, because it just has not been a... Look, I come from Minnesota, not California. So ask me about Roman Catholics and Lutherans, and I can tell you plenty because we were just surrounded by them in Minnesota, California. There is a big footprint that is still left over from what they call the Jesus Revolution. As far as Lonnie Frisbee goes, sorry, I don't know the details, but we can say, because this is what the Bible teaches, even if somebody is teaching accurately and rightly, but they won't repent of what is an obvious sinful lifestyle, it doesn't appear that if you're at war with it, um, that's an that's an individual who may be a perfectly true teacher of the gospel, but isn't a true convert. This is Wretched Radio. Cool, very cool. The Tomorrow Clubs now have 106 clubs in Romania. This year marks the celebration of the 25th anniversary of our ministry. But also, it is a very important milestone for Tomorrow Clubs Romania. Now, Tomorrow Clubs Romania has 106 clubs. That means 106 villages are hearing the gospel proclaimed to the kids who get saved. They bring the gospel home, parents get saved, and local churches get strengthened. Would you please consider supporting the Tomorrow Clubs? Not only do they have hundreds of clubs in Romania, Ukraine, Russia, Albania, all over Eastern Europe, and now in Africa, would you please consider what might you do to bring the gospel to both Africa and to Eastern Europe? Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. You know, when you listen and share our content, that means a lot to us, and we are so grateful for that support from you. But have you ever considered taking your support to the next level by becoming an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel partner? Together, we can reach millions of people all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we need your help to make it happen. We know our reach is as limited as our resources, and that's why we're asking for you to prayerfully consider joining us. Acts 5.20 says, go, stand, and speak to the people the whole message of this life. And that perfectly conveys how we feel called and compelled by the Lord, and your support is what makes that happen. So I want to personally ask you to prayerfully consider standing firm with us by becoming an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel partner. You still have questions? And we have answers to those questions at wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. For your consideration, not one but two ways that you could strengthen the local global church, the Masters Academy International, training men in Los Angeles who then return to their home countries and open up mini seminaries to train pastors in their native land. That strengthens the local church. But there's another way you can do just that. 
We are partnering with the Masters Academy International to send Bibles to the Philippines, not just any Bible, MacArthur Study Bibles to believers in TMAI-trained churches. These efforts strengthen the local church. Would you please consider how many Bibles you might send, how many seminaries you might support overseas? To learn more, visit wretched.org pastor, or if you like the Bible-sending idea, wretched.org Bible. Attributes of God God is merciful. While he does not permit evil to go unpunished, he withholds his justice for a time. Though God is storing up wrath for the day of judgment, every day we continue to live is evidence of God's mercy and another chance to repent and trust in Christ for salvation. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Let's compromise, shall we? What he'd say, like, oh, maybe come down there. So then we put it on the freeway. Everybody, let's go. I missed it. This is Wretched Radio. Think of us like Burger King. Uh, We're here so you can have it your way. We will get to church signs again because you weren't fond of my idea to discontinue them. But just like Burger King, you're going to get your order next week (laughs) because we just aren't emotionally ready. So keep your beep talks coming. 1-877-282-BEEP. 1-877-282-BEEP. In the meantime, let's hear from you. Hey, Todd, you've been talking about assurance uh, lately, and, uh, you know, a lot of people, they look back at past sins and think, how could I have done that, and and they lose assurance. The struggle for me, what can lead to kind of a depressed attitude, is thinking about the future sins for me that I'm going to commit, and it it bothers me that I, I can speak to that a little. <sighs> yeah. I, I I think it's wise for Christians to be aware of the future. But to spend any time imagining, yikes, I know I'm going to do it. I don't want it. I reject it. I resist it. And yet I know I'm going to stumble and I hate that because that is a sin that my Savior had to pay for. I hate that. I hate that. I I just don't think that it's wise or right or healthy to spend time there. So the question then would be, what do you do with it? And And I think this would kind of fall underneath the category of intrusive thoughts which this could be that that it just it pops in and I think about the the sins that I might be committing in the future. I know I'm going to yell at my kid. I know I don't want to. I don't plan on doing it, but I just it's almost inevitable that I'm going to sometimes be a little crabby and I hate that. Stop it. You need to exercise some thinking dominance over random thoughts. And this applies to a lot of areas of life. When you get those intrusive thoughts, you got to grab them and stop them. When you start going into an emotional spiral, you have to stop and grab hold of that thought, but you don't stop there. You also then need to correct the thinking with truth. All right, I'm feeling afraid right now. Hold on. My Savior said he'd never leave me. He will never be unaware of my circumstances. He'll never forsake me. 
My God is omnipotent, and he's on my side, and I'm on his. I have nothing to fear. You need to bring in truth to counter the emotion. Now, let's go back to, I think about, I'm going to sit in the future, and that grieves me. Okay, stop it and say, Lord, I don't want to do that. You know I don't want to do that. Please continue to give me the strength to resist temptation. Help me to submit to you. Please put your full armor on me. Please don't let me stumble or fall. And Lord, if I do, please remind me of your amazing grace that you died, not just for my past sins, not just for my present sins, but you died for all of my sins. So help me now to walk in the victory that you have achieved for me and then get back to doing your thing. Don't let intrusive thoughts cripple you. Stop them and then replace them with truth. Hey, Todd, I got a two-part question here for you. I've recently started attending a church that uh, goes out on Saturdays and does door knocking. But Hold on. Jimmy! Yes? This can't be right. What's that? Churches don't go out door knocking. This <laughs> fellow must be a liar! <laughs> Why did we give up on that, by the way? Oh, because it's not cool anymore. It's never been cool. I know there used to be a time where knocking on somebody's door was less intrusive than it is today. But a complete stranger, do you really, in the 50s, do you think that people, they're busy in their house, they're doing their thing, ding dong, who is it? Do you think they were ecstatic about Jehovah's Witnesses visiting then? No. And they weren't nuts about local churches necessarily. They may be a bit more polite about it. It is hard work. Evangelism is hard work. It's an irksome task. Doing open-air preaching. Yeah, it's a, but it's never been cool, ever. Why have we given up on it? And isn't it interesting the Mormons haven't? And look at how they're growing, unfortunately. I've noticed that it's not really effective. A lot of times you get the door shut in your face. I was wondering, Crowns. in a small town like I live in the Midwest, where do you go to witness the people and get a captive audience? The second part of my question was, what are your thoughts on door knocking like that? Is it a good idea, bad idea? Well, ultimately, we don't want to spend time if it's entirely fruitless. So I think we need to be wise as serpents. So I wouldn't say every church needs to be doing a door knocking program. But I would say don't reject it because, well, that's just not cool. Or some people do shut the door in your face. You don't know when you throw a rock into a peck of dogs, the one that yelps is the dog that got hit. Maybe they're slamming the door in your face that you you were just what you were just what they needed at that moment. Don't think you aren't doing evangelistic work because people didn't go come on in and have some warm scones hot out of the oven. You are being faithful. Now, having said that, be wise. Where can you go? And the answer is do some reconnaissance in your own town. Go to places where you can talk to people. The issue is not finding people. The issue is, and this is true for all of us, it is overcoming the fear of starting the conversation. Now, there was there's some people, I read a pretty satirical article, I think in uh, the National Review, whatever it was. They were kind of taking pokes at some of these people who talk about, hey, I'm going to go become a missionary in New York City and I'm going to live on the Upper East Side and just kind of immerse myself into that culture. And Within six years, I might talk to somebody. In the meantime, I'm going to go to a lot of coffee shops. Okay. Um, go to coffee shops in your town. Go to the cafe in your town. But you're still going to have to speak. And I think the best way to get that going is to be intentional about it. 
just be looking for the opportunities and start start having those conversations. Uh, they're not hard. To, I'm, I'm telling you, they're just not hard to have. Now, I know in a small town, you might feel a little bit more pressure because everybody knows everybody. I got that. But that doesn't mean that you still can't talk to the waitron because we don't have waitresses and waiters anymore. We have gender neutral service people. Can you use the word service people? Any, you've got a waitron. You just got to start the conversation. Find the courage. Find what works for you and just get on it. And this is, look, this is, this is just maybe, maybe a practical help for you. When you're friendly with people, they talk, especially in the South. Wow, do they talk. Just be kind to people. Be kind to the wait person. Be kind to the clerk behind the register that asks for a 22, 25, or 30% tip for putting your groceries into a bag for you. Just be kind to people, and you will be amazed how easy it is to just start an evangelistic conversation. Yes, I have a question. Um, it recently came up at my church about First Timothy 2.12. And my pastor said that you have to look at the time period mm. and the way they were putting that. And I think it's adding to scripture when you say that and that you shouldn't take the Bible literally in that Bible verse. Uh, I just want to know your thoughts on this. Thank you. Sounds like this is the error of putting the culture above the text. Ah, when when Paul said, don't do this, back then they were living like this. Therefore, he didn't mean what it clearly says. Now, there are a couple of verses like that in the New Testament. I would say head coverings might be the trickiest of all. Was that tied to the garden? Was that a cultural issue? We can have those debates, but when you got yourself a clear Bible verse like 1 Timothy 2.12, I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over men. There's just, there's just no context that, well, except for, and because remember that even though Paul penned the Bible and his personality, it was engaged in the writing of the text. It was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit knew about different cultural contexts, and there was nothing included that said, oh, by the way, Timothy, this is just for that church in that region, but elsewhere women can be pastors. No, that's, that's not the way the Holy Spirit wrote it. So be careful. This is a tricky little hermeneutical Mm, exercise. We do want to understand culture. It's super important in helping us to understand what the original author was saying to the original audience, but there is a fallacy of putting the culture, imposing the culture onto the text. Jesus seminar people tended to do this a lot. Now, people who do a trajectory hermeneutic do this a lot. Well, you see, it was pretty clear. In the Old Testament, women were really oppressed, which, by the way, um, isn't really accurate at any rate. And then Jesus, look at how he started to treat women. And Paul, he just didn't realize what the feminist movement was going to. But you see a trajectory where women are getting more and more. And he talks about Phoebe. Look at a deaconess of some, whatever that meant. So clearly God is on a trajectory to having women be pastors. Eh. That, that's just That's just a hermeneutic that isn't biblical. They do that with gender, roles of men and women. 
we need to reject those all the while remembering culture and context is important, but it is not king. And until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs>